0: This is a CNA podcast. Welcome back to Work It! We hope you're off to a good Monday It's already May, just finished Labor Day How was your Labor Day? Christina?
1: Labor Day was good I had a rest on Labor Day Unlike some people who were working on Labor Day Yep,
0: she's referring to me
1: <laughs> Hi everyone So this topic has been cooking in our heads for some time It's not so easy to define And frankly, I find it a bit vague But increasingly, people are talking more about it It is about finding purpose in work, Adrian. What comes to mind when I say purpose? at work.
0: I think it's generally finding the things that you enjoy doing over a long period of time. And I want to emphasize a long period of time because a lot of things when it comes to purpose is just very random. You yeah. do this, you move on, you do this, you move on, which potentially is why a lot of younger generation keep moving from one job to another. Right. But trying to enjoy that process of moving from point A to point B. Maybe
1: they're moving from one thing to another to find purpose, right? I'm on to my third employer, but I've only had two jobs, which is teaching and journalism. Looking back, I feel quite lucky I stumbled into journalism. Lucky because I don't have to dig very deep to find purpose or meaning. For me, journalism is public service and there's always a sense of mission. But the world is not made up of only these kinds of jobs like healthcare or journalism or teaching. And you may not find purpose in every single job you do.
0: Absolutely. I would think back to our parents' generation, grandparents' generation. I don't mm-hmm. think they ever talk about purpose. Oh, they just go to the sure. office, grunt it out, put food on the table, and then move on. For yeah. us, I think we have the fortune to really find yeah. that purpose in life, which comes from all these things that we are being exposed to.
1: Yep. And so that's what we want to chat with our guest today. What exactly is the drive towards purpose? Why are more people seeking it? How do they arrive at it? Hong Xiu Ming is Senior Vice President for People, Culture, and Group Rewards. That Great Eastern. Welcome, Suming.
0: Thank you, Chris Bima and Adrian for having me. You're most welcome. Suming. I understand you actually wanted to get into finance and banking initially after your school, but circumstances meant you had to go into HR. Could you start off by telling us a bit about your background, your own career, and also what makes you glad to wake up every morning to go to work right now? Sure. 20 years ago, when I first graduated, the same situation
2: happened, I think, similar to COVID, where Mm. SARS happened. At the time, I think the world wasn't really prepared for a pandemic of that scale. And my whole life, I get myself academically towards a banking career. So I I graduated with a banking finance degree in NTU. Mm. After graduation, I thought, wow, the world's my oyster. I'm going to be a banker. Then stars hit, there were zero jobs in the banking industry, there was a recession, and the flight to safety triggered in my head, right? Mm. I was brought up by a baby boomer generation parents who felt that, like what Adrian mentioned earlier, it was really about having a job, having bread and butter on, on the table. So, I think that was my initial reaction to not having a job after I graduated. So, I figured that, well, perhaps I could just look for a generalist kind of role, either in a bank or mm. in the financial sector, take a pause for a few years, let the things settle, and then come back in uh, subsequently. Now, at that point, the government, I suppose, tried to help, but there was not as much support compared to now, where during COVID, there was a lot of support from the government for fresh graduates mm. to still help them to start a career in the financial yeah. sector. So I landed a job in Great Eastern as a management associate. My Hmm. then boss told me, okay, fine, I, I know you want to land yourself in an investment career or banking career. Why don't you start with us as a management associate? I have this project with us at this point We are going through HR transformation uh, Organisational transformation That was really The first iteration Of our technology transformation For the organisation About mm. 20 years ago And he said Why don't we start On this project Along the way We have various arms Within the organisation We have an investment arm We have finance arm We have sister companies Parents bank You have opportunities Right And and you can just Rotate there yeah. Lo and behold Year after year Project after project I just got rotated Within HR Got myself to more projects within HR found a calling after a while. I felt that, hey, I did generally well in HR, found that sense of purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. And after three to five years, I decided that, hey, I don't think I could go back to a banking career anymore because I would have to reset everything. The rest is history, as you call it.
1: Life is a very interesting way of working things out for people. Right. You can't predict something like this, but it ended up as a good story for you. Okay, I know people say this a lot and I believe it's true. The pandemic has completely changed the way we approach We've seen this ourselves. There's like a whole resignation wave. People moving, people wanting more work-life balance. In fact, in interviews that we do now when we are recruiting, and it's not always just young people by The way we find that they are saying, oh, money is not that important. Of course, it's important, but it's not more important than for me to do work that I find important or purposeful, right? Do you think that the pandemic has prompted the discussion or there's something else going on?
2: I think the pandemic has probably accentuated this or accelerated this conversation, right? It has been coming for a few years already. If you look at the generational shift in terms of the Gen Ys, the Gen Zs coming into the workforce. The Gen Zs are really the true traditional natives. Mm. They have large safety nets because their parents are Gen Xs. Their attitudes towards life, attitudes towards work have been shaped through the technological boom over the past Mm. 10 to 15 years. Mm. And they are very well-traveled, very well-exposed. The world is now much more globalised than before. So... Attitudes towards everything, towards life, towards experiences, and obviously towards work has also changed. Mm. As I mentioned earlier, um, in my parents' generation, all they wanted was to just get a job, put food on the table, then they started moving down to the Gen axis, where, yes, there was still a bit of brain and butter security concerns, but yep. they started becoming a bit more independent. They brought their children up, which are really the generational millennials and Gen Zs, mm. or in some instances, the later Gen Ys, where they brought them up to be independent, uh, critical thinkers. And they let them travel the world. So, social exposure to social networks as well as um, influences from different parts of the world has started to shape how people behave and think as well. Mm. So, that has obviously permeated to Singapore, right? To Singapore yep. workers as well. And of, of course, we are a very cosmopolitan city. We have a lot of immigrants. We also have a lot of workers from foreign nationals come in. They share their ideas about how work should be, how environment mm. should be, attitudes towards life. So, that has always been there and it's been building. COVID literally changed the entire thing overnight, mm. or ac- accelerated the entire conversation yep. overnight because of the way the pandemic evolved. It resulted in a situation where people started asking themselves, is there more to life beyond work? When the Great Resonation Effect happened, it also entirely skewed the entire labour market suddenly you had large displacement of workers not necessarily through loss of jobs but workers started to leave the workforce Mm. because they started Thinking that, hey, this entire gloomy
0: outlook is not for me. (laughs) We found
1: people quitting without even a job, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's so many of them and people jumping from jobs to jobs in a very short frequency. But I think that is also the benefit and luxury of youth, right? When you're young, Mm. you don't have a lot of things to worry about. When I was young, I was just sharing yesterday during a discussion. My shortest job was actually a day. This was when I was in my oh. early 20s and I just think I don't like that job. I didn't even give it a chance to marinate and to discover whether maybe it's just a bad day. Do you think it might also be really an age thing for the younger people nowadays? Do you see more and more of this apparent, especially during the interview uh, process when you speak with them, when they want to ask you things yeah. like, oh, you know, what is the purpose behind it? What's yeah. the culture? Like, What
1: are they asking you in your interviews with younger people looking for a job at Great Eastern?
2: I think Bread and butter Conversations still happen Right Nobody works Simply just for passion Right You you can't just work for passion And not put food on the table of Whether course. you're young Or old it does, mm. It's the same conversation So So the bread and butter Conversations Are still typically most important first of mine but beyond that bread and butter because now there is a mismatch of labour supply and demand meaning that there's a very tight labour market so when there's a tight labour market every single employee is fighting for the best talent out there everyone has choices especially the ones who are younger why? because they are a lot more mobile they are relatively at the earlier stage of their career so they are a bit more malleable Mm. economically cheaper as well higher (laughs) to move so as a result of that um, they will start asking more questions, right? What's your proposition for me as an employer? Why should I join you beyond the pay? Well, why should right? I join Why you?
1: should I yeah. join
2: Or you what like can I offer you? That, because uh, I'm going to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So many people yeah. will pay
1: what? So what's the difference that you bring to the table for this guy, right? Precisely, precisely. Yeah.
2: So I think those questions are starting to come up a bit more. But ultimately, it's still about the role mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, bread and butter topics around uh, pay. Right, that's a starting point, and then it starts progressing towards the other more aspirational needs. I think beyond hiring, what I found interesting is that within the organisation itself, most employees are now starting to ask themselves, "All right, what should I be doing within mm. the organisation? Should I start thinking about moving on to my next job beyond pay?" Because so,
1: it's a attrition issue as well.
2: It's a attrition issue as well. I think it's more an attrition issue rather than a hiring issue at this point. Ah, right, around purpose.
1: This is my question, right? I mentioned teaching healthcare, social work. Generally, people do that because they feel there's a great sense of purpose. Okay, I will be very honest. I cannot do client-driven work Even if I'm paid a lot. For example, if I had to, say, service a luxury yacht company. No offence to luxury yacht companies. But the idea is, it's just not me. It doesn't square with who I am, etc. And there are tons of people who work in those kinds of jobs. How do you tell everyone in the organisation, okay, let me find purpose for you. I mean, is that an individual motivation? Or, I don't know, how do you marry it into a job? So
2: I'll look at, Purpose or work in three dimensions, right? People can look at work as a job, as you mentioned. Okay. A career or calling. I think calling is quite clear. Yes. If you look at work as a job, then it's very easy for you to fall into the trap where day in, day out, you're doing the same task and you don't find meaning, you don't find purpose. After a while, you find that this is not for you, what's next? But if you start looking at your work as a career, as just a pit stop within the longer journey that you're going to take throughout the whole duration of your employee lifespan. Start asking yourself what kind of skills do you think you need to build for you to continue to find engagement and meaning in your work. Mm. So for instance, for myself, right, as I mentioned when I first started out, I had absolutely zero idea what HR was. All my life, I geared myself towards being a banker and I tried to acquire those skill sets to be a bank- banker, right? I landed myself in HR. One of the very interesting projects that I came upon was this my boss asked me to look at employee satisfaction. Mm. So, 20 years ago, employee satisf- satisfaction was all the rage. Mm. They were looking at understanding how employees felt within an organization. Well, I could have just taken that step and say, okay, let's just run the survey. We have been running the survey for years. Mm. I just continue running it, and administering it. But what I took was learning from what I learned in school, Organisational Behavior 101. There was this idea about engagement, right? Employee engagement, which has a very different connotation to employee satisfaction. Mm. Right? Satisfaction is rather you are satisfied at work. Whereas engagement has the additional element of what we call discretionary innate ability to want to do more without me having to incentivize you monetarily. So so what we're trying to do is really to find that key driver that can help you to activate that inner want, inner motivation to want to do more. Mm. So I asked my boss, should we change the construct from satisfaction to engagement? So long story short, if you find that you can contribute and you find that you want to make a bigger impact to your work, you can change the way you do things. Mm. Right? So that's one way of finding purpose and meaning. And I think I use that same idea and principle to activate different projects, different ways of doing things throughout my whole 20 years of career.
1: Right, right. So basically, if you reorientate your thinking and think of it as, okay, how can I make this job better? Or how can I myself initiate something that will make it more meaningful? That's an interesting point.
0: Yeah, I think it's actually trying to put things into context and also to have some power in your hands, right? To craft something that might seem very mundane. Uh, It could just be another paperwork, in your opinion. But you try to put a different twist to it. Hello, my name is Steve Lai.
1: And I'm Teresa Tang.
0: And we are the hosts of CNA Correspondent.
1: A podcast that takes you to the heart of the work our correspondents do across the globe.
2: From China's COVID response.
1: To the childcare centre massacre in Thailand.
2: From the fall of Najib Razak.
1: To the rise of Anwar Ibrahim as Malaysia's Prime Minister.
2: We speak to the people at the reporting frontlines.
1: So if you want to know how the biggest global stories unfold,
0: make sure you follow or subscribe to us When we talk about work with purpose, there seems to be some romanticism behind it, right? It's (laughs) it's also tinted glass, it's a bit of roses, but many people also don't realise there are also a lot of other things involved, the bureaucracy, the admin work, things that you may not like. You manage to turn something which could have been seen as something quite mundane into something a bit more interesting and try to apply some of your practice to it. But for most other people out there, how do they really live out this reality? You know, where, you know, every job has its monotony, has its challenges, and importantly, stuff that you don't like. It's really about taking
2: charge of your own career, your own life. Millennials especially, they are independent, right? Mm. They are critical thinkers. They know, or maybe they don't know what they want. <laughs> um, sometimes it's really about experimentation, mm. but more importantly, understanding themselves. Uh, people need to start with the end in mind. Always ask yourself, what are you? What makes you happy? What makes you satisfied? Mm. Um, Don't start with a specific role or specific task because I read a book recently uh, this was very interesting. This author mentioned about what happiness is to Mm. individuals, right? And they say that many times we are shaped by our experiences from young about what makes you happy. It could be making your first million by the time you're 25 Mm. or making your, your first 10 million by the time you're 40. But those are ideas that you get from experiences throughout your earlier parts of your life. Now at that point in time, say for at twenty five, you mean your first million, your mind might tell you, hey, that's not good enough. Right? And to get to that first one million, you may have done a lot of things which yeah. goes against your personal value systems or conflicts yeah. with what you feel you are happy doing. Right. Right. But ultimately that the first one million does it make you happy? Not necessarily so. Yeah. So I think many times people think that, oh, I want to strike it big. I want to make it big mm. at some point and that will make me happy. The process to get there is the key, right? That because the process that you take to get to that objective did not necessarily make you a happier person. And at that point when you reach the objective, you may not be happy either.
1: And then you kind of wasted that entire time being unhappy too, right?
0: Precisely. Precisely. Yeah, chasing after something that you thought would make you happy. I've seen this so many times on public transport. You see the most unhappiest people carrying the most branded bag. You would think that they would have (laughs) coveted for that Chanel bag or whatever bag, but then they seem so unhappy because it just doesn't give them the thrill anymore. No more dopamine hit.
1: I like the idea that first figure out who you are and what makes you happy. The problem though is, as you mentioned, sometimes you don't know what you want, who you are, what makes you happy. I think this is quite a hard question to answer, you know. Yeah,
0: and I try many undergrads, the, the school also don't teach. And a lot of parents also don't know how to teach oh, because What do you mean teach?
1: What makes them happy? Yeah, no to find way, purpose They got no to, time to to find... between statistics and calculus <laughs> What?
0: <laughs> and homework <laughs> And final year paper and, and of course I don't think parents are also in a good position Because parents come from an era where Just work You know, just find something Purpose can pay bills or not Purpose cannot pay bills
2: uh, Purpose can pay bills If you demonstrate engagement, right? Because ultimately what engagement is that You have extra discretionary effort mm. Because you find meaning and purpose in what you do beyond. Beyond just a mundane task yes. and when you are engaged and you display those extra discretionary effort it will be recognised I see I mean, it's very obvious right so when you are recognised mm-hmm. you will pay for the bills because that's where you get your progression yeah, that's where you get yeah, recognition yeah. it's a self-fulfilling circular very reinforcing kind yeah, of ecosystem Yeah,
1: that's been my experience I think that's probably true and because you really genuinely love it your bosses can see it and you, you are rewarded for it eventually I was reading this letter that Larry Fink wrote, the CEO of BlackRock, right? And he talked at length about how critical it is for leaders to craft a clear purpose for their business. Okay, so let me read a bit of that. He said, stakeholder capitalism is not about politics. It's not a social or ideological agenda. It's not woke. It is capitalism driven by mutually beneficial relationships between you The employees, the customers, the suppliers, the communities that the company relies on to prosper. That is the power of capitalism. So basically, he's saying that making money in and of itself is not good enough. Companies need to drive this idea that what are we doing for all the people around us that we rely on? For example, in GE, right, it's a financial institution you are enabling, let's say, a family to be financially secure. So, you've written that purpose somewhere, but it needs to be articulated. Do you think companies should articulate purpose more clearly, especially now?
2: Yeah, I think from a proposition perspective, it's important for people, especially your workers, to know where the company is headed, Mm. what the company stands for, firstly as a business, and how that then translates into that employee proposition more from a employer perspective, right? Because it has to be connected. It cannot yeah. be a situation whereby the business stands for something, but yet as an employer, you're going against that mm. actual actual purpose that the business has set.
1: Do you have an example? What would make it easier for companies to craft a policy or a sense of purpose or a mission?
2: I think you've articulated our purpose relatively well, right? We, <laughs> we want to promote financial inclusivity within the ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, how What do we stand for as a business? How do we conduct ourselves as a business, as a company? We look at ourselves in terms of three core values, integrity, initiative, and involvement. Mm. This is how we set out to do business. So from an employer perspective, these are the same set of core values that we want to imbuild into every single one of employees, demonstrated or manifested through what we call key behaviors. These behaviors are not something that are rocket science that only exists in the world of Great Eastern or financial institutions. Yeah. These are simple core values or behaviours that would be manifested on a day-to-day basis. For instance, integrity, right? Uh, integrity is one core value. I'm sure every single person over uh, outside work would likely demonstrate some form of integrity. For sure. Yeah, so from the perspective of behaviours, we try to explain to employees that, look, but from a behavioural perspective, what does integrity mean to you, Mm. right? For instance, if it's accountability as a behaviour, behavioural traits, do you demonstrate accountability at home, right? Mm. So, so from that perspective, there's definitely a connection between what you do, what you stand for as an individual versus what the employer stands for. Mm. And when you find that connection, that meaning, that purpose becomes a lot Easier. stronger, more aligned mm. and becomes stickier okay. to explain.
1: Yeah. Which also means as Makes an employee,
0: sense. you shouldn't really need to put on a mask at work, right?
1: Yeah, because we don't have a culture where the company, you know, talks about values, right? We talk about revenues, we talk about oh, uh, what's coming up, what's our targets. Maybe we can develop this idea of what does it mean to be this employee? What does it mean to be a Great Eastern employee?
0: What does integrity look like? Leaving yeah. G-E. That's yeah, right.
1: like you don't sell a product to somebody you know is vulnerable or just because you need to make the bottom line or something like that. I don't know.
2: Yeah, so Chris, we know this morning we were talking about performance appraisals, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. an interesting topic. We always measure the what. What has been done. Mm. But many a times people or companies don't look at how it's done like mm. right, yes. the behaviors behind it to help you to achieve those goals. Mm. So this is something that we have actually started a year or two years ago where we wanted to measure not just the what, mm. right? What's are important because course, ultimately it's, it's bread and butter. Right. right? However the how is equally important, right? So, for instance, if you're talking about integrity, even if you drive very huge revenue, mm. but you do it in a manner which which goes against uh, accountability and you achieve customers' money yeah. just to get greater revenue. Now, that, that is, yes, you, you have achieved the goals, right? The what? But how do you do it to achieve those goals? I think it goes against the company's values. That needs to be managed and that needs to be communicated, articulated that we are we are in the business of providing financial security. But at the same time, we need to be measuring ourselves in terms of how we
0: achieve those those targets. Yeah. For the people out there who are in jobs, looking at jobs, Mm. what would you recommend to them to find more meaning in their work? I'm particularly interested to look at mid-career folks. How do they take some steps or strategies or maybe refer to some resources to identify that meaning in their work? And for the younger folks out there, How do they interpret what purpose means to them? I think the first
2: thing is coming back to yourself, right? Ask yourself at this point in your career, assuming you're a mid-career individual, where are you in your life stage? Mm. I think aspirations change along the way, needs change. So we talk about master's hierarchy of needs. Safety needs to be met first. After that, you move up the aspirational ladder. So at the mid-career stage, ask yourself what makes you happy? What makes you engaged? And then once you understand your innate idea around what you really want and what you find meaningful in terms of the activities, in terms of the tasks. Break it down into small bite-sized tasks or Mm. activities. Ask yourself what you can change to make it more meaningful for yourself. Try to align it, right? That's one way to, if you're stuck in a role that you can't change, then change the tasks or activities within the role. If that doesn't work, then start asking yourself beyond that job that you are assigned look at other jobs within the organization. Are there any other jobs, activities or tasks that you feel can make you more meaningful or you find a sense of purpose. Mm. Look at that. I don't think it's always a case where you need to move on to another organization to look for that greater meaning or purpose yeah. or that role. Yeah. Sometimes it just exists within the organization mm. itself. Mm. right?
1: It could be a very small little spark, very small little activity or task. So it all starts with the individual and to really truly figure out what you want and what makes you happy and then go from there.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm. Of course, Organisations can provide the support, right, but up to a certain point. They can provide the conducive environment, the support structure for you to be able to do that. A lot of organisations out there are starting to look at that and invest in this area because they just can't compete sustainably from a monetary
0: perspective alone Mm. anymore. Mm. Yeah. And I think people need to also reevaluate their purpose in life, right? Yes. At different life stages, Correct. because meaning today may mean different thing ten years later. Oh yeah, especially
1: yes. when you have kids, right? Oh yes. I mean, quite They'll a lot. They'll rob
0: of... you of all your purpose in
1: life. <laughs> No, no, don't say that. Kids are great. Okay, anything else you want to add?
2: I think as I like to always quote Stephen Covey's Seven Habits, one of my first books that I read 20 years ago, and I think it's still quite an evergreen book. One of the key habits he mentioned was this, that six in my head. Start with the end in mind. Always know what you want to achieve and then work backwards so that you don't have to go in circles. Right. Get to the end point in the shortest time possible.
0: So I think today's episode has been really refreshing because it helped us to really reflect on the purpose not just in life but primarily at work because work takes up so much of our time and I think like what Siu Ming mentioned it really calls for dedicated time to sit down and reflect to provide ourselves that corporate retreat you know company does corporate retreat yeah. right one week away in Bali or some swanky hotel just to brainstorm and think through what you want to do for the whole year I think as an individual we also should do that sit down with ourselves, maybe even with some close friends to Mm. really map out exactly what I want, what I want to do, what actually makes me happy. And hopefully that might give you some idea or sit some thoughts on where to head towards.
1: I'm beginning to think companies should invest in an in-house coach. Generally, HR partners who work with us, it's very process driven. That means I only hear from them if I need to hire somebody or we need to confirm somebody or we need to promote, etc. during appraisal time, which is all great, which is all bread and butter and important. But I'm saying this because sometimes it's very hard for individuals to figure out things Mm. on their own. It's so much easier if they could sit with somebody who can bring them through all these things, clarify this for them. My takeaway from this wonderful discussion is no matter what it is, you need to reorientate in order to find your purpose
0: and I think to your point i reminded of this JFK quote I'm not sure how true it is he went to NASA and talked to two janitors what are you doing here oh my job here is to clean this place Yes, asked another janitor oh my job here is to put someone on the moon again. and I think it really calls that. for a reframe of how you look at things yeah, yeah. so to everyone thank you so much for listening in today and to the team behind this Jacqueline Chan Joanne Chan Saya Win and I'm Adrian
1: and I'm Crispina, and I hope you guys have a purposeful work